0: I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. I'm your host Kurt Sandvig and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, we're going to take a look at haunted plantations. But before I get to that, let's talk about something. As everyone should know, sadly America has a troubled past from slaughtering the native Americans to building the country on the backs of slaves. This kind of racism seems to be making a comeback and frankly, if you support racism, This podcast is not for you. I don't talk about politics on here because I want this podcast to be about the paranormal. But I will say, if you're racist, you can fuck right off. I don't need you. I don't want you. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm talking about haunted plantations. And one of the main reasons, it seems to me anyway, that these plantations are haunted are because of the atrocities that happened back in the day at these plantations. Okay. With that out of the way, let's get to the paranormal. On to the good stuff. First up we have shout outs. We have Shani, Rich, Kira, Rachel, Laura, Angie, Anthony, Carolyn, Chuck, Dan, Daniel, Dill, Edgar, Heidi, Jeff, Juliana, Kat, Laura P, Laura Ruth O, Lindsay, Maggie, hi Maggie, Matt, pablo todd jamie and elijah hendrickson it's a whole lot of people and that is a whole lot of people that are better than you why well go on to patreon.com paranormalalmanac paranormal almanac but next up we have paranormal news first nasa has solved the mystery of the cigar shaped ufo that was believed to have been carrying alien life I don't know if you guys remember this, but last year, this really weird looking cigar shaped UFO asteroid, if you will, came hurtling through Earth's solar system and was spotted by us because it was headed for us. Well, a group of acclaimed astronomers, including members of NASA, the European Space Agency and the German Max Planck Institute for Astronomy released a report this week on the origins of that cigar-shaped asteroid. And it was first observed in October of 2017. The name of that asteroid is Umau Muao? which is Hawaiian for messenger from afar arriving first. I know I got that wrong. I am sorry. According to the report, a fast-moving object on an unbound orbit was discovered close to Earth. And that was the key, that it was this orbit that was not natural, It wasn't observed, all of a sudden this thing just showed up. It was 40 meters wide and 400 meters in length. It was said to have a comet-like density and a dark red surface. And that dark red surface suggests either an organic rich surface like that of comets and outer solar system asteroids, or a surface containing minerals with nanoscale iron such as the dark side of Saturn's moon. So it's really an interesting article. I recommend you all go out and look at it because first of all, I too was very curious why this thing was shaped the way it was, how it appeared out of nowhere, and how it kind of just flew by us as if to cruise by and say hi. I'm glad it didn't I'm glad it didn't hit us, but still. So we have a little bit more information on what it was and where it came from. Again, I highly suggest you go take a look. Next up in paranormal news, is one that I was going to talk about on a future episode, but since it's in the news, I might as well talk about it now, and that's what is behind the decline in UFO sightings. This month, both the National UFO Reporting Center and MUFON, which is Mutual UFO Network, both documented steep drops in worldwide UFO sightings. The decline started around 2014 when reports were at a peak. They've since reduced drastically to 55% of that year's combined total. So what's causing it? Well, it's anyone's guess, really. They kind of go into a couple of theories. Nothing really shocking. No, no, like, oh, that's the theory I think of it is. Well, here's my theory. Here's why I wanted to bring it up. The reason I think that UFO sightings are on the decline, it's very easy People have their faces shoved in cell phones 24-7 now. Back in the day, if you were sitting in the back of a car on a road trip, you were either looking out the window or staring at your sibling, and that was it. You only had two options. You didn't have all of these things that keep us focused inches from our face. When people are walking around now, they're not looking around at the architecture or looking at the people they're passing. Their faces are in phones. How are we supposed to spot UFOs if we're not looking for UFOs, if we're not even just looking around, you don't even necessarily have to be looking for a UFO to spot one. You just have to be watching where you're going. And that is, in my opinion, why UFO reports are on the decline. I don't think that there's any less UFOs out there. In fact, I think there are way more UFOs out there. And I'm using that term to include the spy, the military spy planes and the drones and the secret stuff that we all know exists, but we don't know it exists. There's way more of that out there than ever before, so there should be way more UFO sightings than ever before. Okay, with that out of the way, let's talk about some of the worst atrocities that happened in America's past, and because of these traumatic events, the sites that are haunted to this day. That's right, as I said earlier, I'm talking about haunted plantations. The southern United States have some of the most beautiful plantations with the most troubled pasts. And I believe both of those statements. These houses, these plantation houses, are gorgeous. They're old, they're beautiful. They're some of the oldest houses in America, but sadly, they were built on the backs of slaves. Because of that, again, in my opinion, these plantations seem to be teeming with ghosts. Now, I thought I would find three or four haunted plantations that were pretty damn good, But this list is long, so long in fact, that this is the first episode and the sequel will eventually be recorded and put up as a patron exclusive episode. That's right, if you like this one and you want to hear more, you're going to have to become a patron because I really enjoy doing these. I really think that's fair for the patrons. Alright, first up is the Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana. This place is actually a bed and breakfast, so this is one that you can actually stay at. And let me tell you, I want to go. After reading all I could find about this plantation, I want to go. I want to investigate. Now, supposedly it's one of the most haunted houses in America, but I don't really know what that means. Is it more haunted than others? It has more ghosts than others? I don't really know. I don't know who, who chose it as one of the most haunted houses in America, But I will say, based on the stories I can find, it's definitely one of the most active. So maybe that's what they mean when they say the most haunted. It just means the most active. Let's start with why it's haunted. I'm going to say that since this house was built on an ancient Indian burial ground, well, that might have something to do with it. Here's what I know about the plantation. It was built in 1796 by General David Bradford, but he sold it in 1801. Or, depending on the website... He built it in 1796, lived in it till his death in 1808, and his wife and children lived in it till 1817. Depending on what quote-unquote official website you go to, you're going to get a couple of different information about the house. I can tell you it was doubled in size in 1834 and around 1871. So let's now get to the deaths. Here's what I know. 1823 and 1824. Two of the daughters of the homeowners died of yellow fever. 1831, Elizabeth Bradford died, but I couldn't find out anything that says she died in the house. But odds are, back in the day, odds are she did, so we're going to put that as, yes, she died in the house. 1854, the new homeowner died in the house. Then, in the 1870s, there were a couple more. The death of a daughter from typhoid at the age of three And the other was when William Winter, the then owner of the house, was killed on the porch of the house. His wife died shortly after in the house. Then in 1880, the grandmother died in the house. Now, despite what a number of websites say, I can't find any proof that there were 10 murders in the house. So far, it's one murder, maybe. Let's talk about the legends. First, let's go back to William Winter's death. So, he died after he was shot. According to the legend, he attempted to climb to the second floor, but perished on the 17th step. Now the sound of his footsteps moving up the steps has been heard by countless visitors and employees of the plantation. How they know it's his footsteps, I'm calling bullshit on. And from official documents I found, he was killed on the porch. There is nothing about him then climbing the stairs. So, is it plausible? Sure. He might have been shot on the porch and made his way up the stairs and died somewhere in the house. Totally plausible. How anyone can say that the footsteps they hear are clearly his, that's an impressive skill, and I'm also calling bullshit on it. Another legend is about a slave girl named Chloe. People state that Chloe wears a green turban to cover the ear that her former lover and master of the plantation, Mark Woodruff, removed. It's a great story. I wouldn't be surprised if this was true. Then the legend becomes total BS because it says, In an act of revenge, she poisoned Woodruff's children and they died. Apparently after this happened, Chloe was hanged and her body was tossed in a nearby river. Well, the Woodruff children did die, but only two died, and they were the yellow fever ones I talked about earlier. And I have no idea how a slave that was tossed into the river would ever be documented, but I can't find anything that proves this story. Like I said, half the story, I can call BS right away. I can debunk it right away. The children did die, only two of them, not all of them, but it was because of yellow fever. And speaking of those children, the handprints of children and sometimes even the reflections are seen in one of the mirrors still hanging in the plantation. Plus, children's footsteps... Okay, I can get how you can figure out if it's a children's footsteps or an adult's footsteps. So I'll give them this one. Children's footsteps are heard throughout the house, and even the children's beds have been seen to be levitating. Seems like they kind of buried the lead on that one first. I would have started with, hey, the beds levitate, plus you can kind of hear children's footsteps. Always lead with the more important one. Now, there is one paranormal thing that is very interesting, and I'm just going to read this one directly from the Myrtle's website itself. I could try and rewrite it, but there's no sense in rewriting this. I'm letting you know right now, this is from the Myrtle Plantation's website itself. In 1992, the proprietress of the Myrtle's photographed what appeared to be a slave girl standing between two of the buildings on the plantation. That's how you know I didn't write it, because I would never use the word proprietress. Now anyhow, the insurance company had required photographs to be taken that would show the distances between the buildings to aid the underwriters in rating a fire insurance policy for the plantation. Makes sense. The National Geographic Explorer filming crew determined that the photographs definitely contained what appeared to be an apparition of what they believed to be a slave girl. The slave girl appeared in the breezeway between the general store and the butler's pantry of the mansion. The horizontal exterior boards of the mansion were clearly visible through the body of the apparition. National Geographic Explorer used the photograph in their documentary and suggested that a postcard should be made of the photograph. mister Norman Bonoy Bonoy? Yeah. Mr Norman Bonoy, a patent researchist, visited the Myrtle Plantation in May of nineteen ninety five and requested permission to research the postcard. After enlarging the postcard and doing a shadow density procedure, he discovered that all of the physical measurements of the apparition were of human dimensions and proportions. And I think that's a very neat test and really proves a lot in my opinion. The circumference of the head, the length of the shoulders to the elbow, and the length of the elbow to the wrist were all indicative of a human. The postcard is referred to as the Chloe postcard. And I'll make sure I post the photos on Facebook and on Instagram. There's a couple of different ones that are really impressive, directly from their website. If anything, I'm promoting going to this plantation so they shouldn't have any problems with me reading directly from their website or posting these photos. And speaking of going to this plantation, you can actually take ghost tours day and night, and a lot of people do report seeing entities and apparitions when they take the tours. Here's another thing I'm going to read directly from a different website. This is a review by a woman who stayed there. She says, Around 10, after sitting on the private veranda discussing ghosts and talking amongst ourselves, we were tired from the drive and the tour, so we headed to bed. My dad was sleeping in the living area, my mom and I in the bed, and my husband sleeping on the chase across from us in the bedroom. My mom and I, having just gotten ready for bed and not yet fallen asleep, heard someone get up from the chair in the living room, loud creaking noises easily presentable, followed by footsteps. Prior to this, I had gotten up to go to the bathroom and hit my foot on the ledge, so I assumed maybe my dad heard and got up to check on me. Mom and I waited, listening intently, until I realized my dad wasn't coming. I got up to check, and his eyes were opened, staring at me from the other room. Frantic, I asked asked him if he had gotten up, and he said no. Then proceeded to tell me he heard a man's groan before I had gotten up. I was scared to death, pale in the face, because honestly, I hadn't expected to hear anything so crazy that night. After that, my dad had gotten up to rest in the bed with my mom and I. Even as small as the bed was, we continued to hear noises and somehow I was half asleep when I heard a woman say, Hey mom, near the middle of the bed. I jumped up, I jumped, saw my dad sleeping and snoring, and my mom told me what she heard before I could even get the words out to tell her confirming what I had heard. Come 3 a.m., we all woke up to hear rustling and movement of furniture, thumps, doors banging violently. So much to the point my dad got up, scared someone was breaking in. Now let me explain. Some of the rustling was from the locked door leading towards the girls' dressing room that you see on the first of the tour. The lady that showed us that room that day had told us people who stay there hear furniture. So it did raise a red flag that she would mention it, but then again... She had to mention the locked door, otherwise we would be wondering why it was locked. But anyway, there was so much racket, it was almost unbelievable, and hard to believe someone would play tricks on us all night long. Our room was secluded from the rest, so the only way someone could make that noise is from the dressing room. The only other people there were a couple. And I believe they were in the slave quarters and these women having a birthday party on the other side of the house. To me, having not experienced anything like that before, it is either the most haunted place in America, or the night watch guy was playing a big hoax. Either way, it was money well spent with the luxury of the room and the nightly experiences. Even though I couldn't verify... uh, That's the end of her story. So even though I couldn't verify all the murders and deaths, there does seem to be a number of paranormal experiences at this plantation. And this wasn't the only review. It's the only one I chose for this episode, but there were a number of reviews of hearing things, seeing things, seeing things in photos that weren't there to the naked eye, it seems like the Myrtle Plantation definitely lives up to being one of the most haunted houses in the South. Alright, it's going to be hard to live up to that one, but let's move on to the Gaineswood Plantation in Demopolis, Alabama. Now, this plantation house was completed on the eve of the American Civil War after a construction period of almost 20 years. Historically speaking, this house is interesting... Yet sad. The reason I say that is a historic event happened here while it was owned by George Gaines. He is said to have met with the famous chief Pushmataha of the Choctaw Nation. And he met the chief under an oak tree on what would become the Gaineswood Estate. They were negotiating the terms of the treaty that would lead to the Choctaw removal, which happened where Native Americans were forced by the United States government to leave their ancestral homelands in the eastern United States to lands west of the Mississippi River, specifically to a designated Indian territory. So the tree became known as the Pushmataha Oak. The first plantation might have been built on an ancient Indian burial ground, but this one definitely has Native American land that they were forced to leave. Again, I gotta say, I'm not surprised that this is haunted either. Let's get to what's seen and heard here today. It's got a troubled past. They pushed all the Choctaw Indians off of this land so they could build a plantation. What do people hear? Well, people often hear all kinds of unexplained noises on the property, from low whispers, the soft rustling of skirts. The piano starts randomly playing music, which is odd because you can see the photos and you can hear from the people that worked there. The piano is missing keys and is out of tune, yet... When they hear the piano start playing, it is perfect. There is soft singing, there are gunshots, and screams. The most seen ghost is thought to be that of Evelyn Carter, who was a nanny to the owner's children after his wife died. Now, supposedly, she was buried beneath the house instead of in her family cemetery in Virginia. Why? Well, it does seem odd, but one rumor has it the intention was to send her back home when the weather cleared. That didn't happen for a while, so they left her buried in the basement. I looked it up. That does seem to be a plausible explanation for why she's buried in the basement, and it does seem to have happened a few times back then. Not to her. A few times in general. They only buried her once. Now, others speculate that the victims of a fire aboard the steamboat Eliza Battle... Could have drifted to this nearby plantation. I'm about to debunk this legend because it's stupid. The Eliza Battle was destroyed in a fire on the river. That's true, but it wasn't close by and then drifted down to where the plantation was at all. It was 53 miles away from the Gaineswood Plantation in Pennington, Alabama. That's where the Eliza Battle burnt while on the river, and it's not downstream. It's 53 miles upstream, so that's an easily debunkable one that a ton of websites keep talking about. Nope. So again, this Gaineswood plantation has a ton of activity that people still hear to this day. There are reports of people walking the plantation in the daytime when suddenly a shot rings out, as if it became as if it came from right behind them or from right inside the house. Obviously, none of the workers or tour guides are shooting at the guests, so that one, that one's unexplainable. I don't know what it is about soft whispers that always seem to happen at haunted houses. I guess maybe it takes a lot of energy to talk, and maybe, maybe it's not a soft whisper so much as that's all that they can get across to us with the energy they have. But still, ghosts, if you can hear me, speak up. I'd love to know what you're saying, but you gotta talk just a little bit louder. Okay. So that's just about it for the Gaineswood Plantation. Like I said, there's a lot of stories, there's a lot of legends, but there's also a lot of BS. So from that, let's move on to the Magnolia Plantation in a town that I couldn't even begin to say, but I'm going to try. The Magnolia Plantation in Natchitoches, Louisiana. And I think I might have got that close to being right. It was built in 1830 by Ambrose LeCompte II, and his wife Julia Board. It was a successful, and I mean really successful, cotton farm with more than 5,000 acres at one point. As with the other plantations, and seemingly all plantations, using slave labor, more than 2,000 of those wooded acres were cleared for the farm. So it was a huge farm with a ton of slaves. Here's where it gets interesting there is proof. The slaves used voodoo on the farm to get revenge on the horrible living quarters and even worse, brutal beatings and deaths of the slaves by the plantation owners. Now you might be asking, what's the proof? Well, the enslaved blacksmiths were tasked with forming the metal Christian crosses that marked the Lecomte family graves. While the crosses are very beautiful and very ornate, well, they also include West African voodoo symbols hidden within the design. So we have proof that the slaves were using voodoo against the plantation owners. Also, when renovation was done on the plantation, the workers found leg stocks used for public punishment, humiliation, and starvation, and these were still standing on the property. There are also journal entries from the Lacante family members and foremen that describe hunting escaped slaves all the way to Texas. Now, once again, this is Louisiana, and they're hunting them all the way to Texas. These were evil, evil people doing horrific things to slaves. The slaves were getting back at them the best they could with voodoo and good on these slaves. There's even a room at the plantation house known as the Dying Room. You don't need to know any more information about that. You can kind of guess why. These people were evil dicks. They were horrific to slaves. They killed a lot of slaves. That's reason enough for the house to be haunted. But in 1897, Magnolia's main house was rebuilt as an exact replica of the original plantation home that had been greatly damaged during the Civil War. The wood they chose to use during construction was taken from former slave quarters. So there's another reason why this house is so evil and so haunted. Also, Civil War soldiers are buried in shallow graves across the property. Do you need any more reason for a house to be haunted? Okay, with that said, what's seen and heard here? One legend is an evil dick of an overseer was tortured to death by slaves, which is awesome. Good on you, slaves. You can sometimes still see his face reflected in the window. With that one, I gotta say, F that racist ghost... I hope you're tormented forever. Mysterious voices and noises, growling, and the sound of music are also heard at this plantation too. And guess what else is heard? Whispers. Just like every other plantation. Also, motion detectors on Magnolia's grounds are often triggered without a cause. In the main house itself, apparitions are often seen and they often hear disembodied voices. So there is a lot going on in this house. If you want to go to an evil place, I recommend this one. I I recommend, of the three, the most evil, in my opinion, is the Magnolia Plantation in Natchitoches, Louisiana. And if I said Natchitoches wrong, sorry. I apologize. Okay, next up, we have the Oak Alley Plantation in Vachery, Louisiana. This one was built in 1839. It has the same sad history but it does seem to be without the horrifically horrible slave stories. There were still slaves here, but, and again, this is according, this is revisionist history, but again, according to everything they found, the slaves were treated very fairly here. Eh. All right, so let's jump, let's jump right into what's seen and heard here today. A candlestick once flew across the room right in the middle of a group of visitors on a tour led by a hostess. I gotta say, that's pretty good indication this place is haunted. Staff have heard crying coming from somewhere within the big house, and they can never figure out exactly where it's coming from. One time, a maintenance man who was working alone in the mansion on a project says he felt a presence that was keeping him company. And it wasn't just feeling a presence, he said, it touched him as if to encourage his efforts. How he kept working there by himself is beyond me. The entity of a slender young woman with long, dark hair is often seen in this house, and it's thought to be either Josephine Pyle Roman or their daughter Louise. And like I say, this entity has been seen throughout the mansion. She's been seen walking up on the widow's walkway and hanging out in various rooms. And here's a neat one. I can't find the photo, but the story is that a tourist actually caught her image on a picture— She wasn't there when they took the picture, but when they looked down at the photo, there she was. She's also known to ride her horse around the estate grounds, too. So she's seen everywhere. Whoever this entity is, either Josephine or Louise or whoever, she's definitely active. And she's active all over the plantation and the grounds. Here's a neat story I found online about this plantation as well. After a private event, the personnel closed the, quote, big house for the evening. That's when they noticed the lamp in the lavender room was on. It was illuminating the room. They then saw a shadowy figure of a woman glide across the room and stop to look at them from her room lookout. Another apparition, supposedly, maybe the same. It all seems to be this woman. It all seems to be a woman. Whether it's the same woman or not is debatable. Another woman has been seen in the lavender room as well. Chairs often rock in unison. Candlesticks fly across the room. Unseen hands reach out and touch visitors. There are at least two ghosts in the house. One a lady. Again, they don't know who. And the other is a man in gray boots. The woman in black or lady in black, whoever this ghost is, has often been seen on the second floor balcony. As well as different areas of Oak Alley is what they call it. The reason they call it Oak Alley is... This house has a famous entryway outside the the, outside on the grounds in front of the house. There are 28 300 year old oak trees that are canopying like an oak tree canopy that are right in front of this house. It's why it's called Oak Alley. And there's often ghosts seen wandering either on foot or on horseback. Ghost horseback, I might add. Down that Oak Alley. There are also reports from staff members. That Oak Alley's last caretaker, who is a woman named Mrs. Stewart, remains on the property. she's been seen looking down on people from an upstairs bedroom, and it doesn't really say how long ago how long ago she lived there or when she was alive so So that one is in the legend category, but it is seen but she is supposedly seen quite a bit by a lot of the tours so again, it's a lot of activity here, and it does seem to be even active during during private paranormal investigations, which is a good thing, because a lot of these houses seem to go silent or quiet whenever paranormal investigations are there for just a few hours. This house seems to be active fairly, seems to be fairly active all the time. Okay, with that, I'm saving the rest of them again for a sequel episode exclusively for the patrons, and I have a bunch. The list is fairly long. I have at least five more that are going on the sequel episode That is a patron-exclusive episode, like I was saying at the beginning of the episode. So what do you guys think? Do you guys think that the torment, the awful conditions, the horrific things that happen to these people on this ground, on these grounds, cause paranormal activity? It definitely does seem to be the case that if someone dies traumatically, that that death is caught somehow and is on a loop that we can see over and over again through paranormal investigations. It definitely appears between the Native American burial grounds or the Native American land that was taken from them, plus the slaves and the horrible things that were done to slaves, has marred these houses, and they've all since become known as some of the most haunted houses in America. Like I was saying during the episode, if you guys want to go down there, Please feel free to do the investigations, the tours, everything you can while you're there. Even stay overnight in a couple of them and let me know what you find. I would love to do a paranormal investigation of these plantations and stay there overnight. I think it'd be fascinating to see what happens, what I see, what I catch on tape, what I hear, what they're whispering. It's got to be something good because they've been whispering it for hundreds of years. And with that, that leads me to this. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Savig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac.